When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I broccoli with a side of ranch. <laughs> So that's what we're going to talk about today on whatever never mind Sweet. is uh, college football. I saw you posted that you're it sounds like you're disappointed in some of the cancellations. Uh, I think so far, just the Big Ten and Pac-12. I mean, as as it goes with college football, I think that basically the SEC is going to own college football this upcoming season. So uh, I think what we'll end up seeing is like a 16 team SEC where they bring in you know teams from the Big Ten and teams from uh, the Pac-12. I mean you know Oregon can be in uh, the, the SEC. The Big this, Ten this made summer. it clear that no Nebraska, <laughs> you cannot go play with another conference. <laughs> they got smacked wow. down. Fuck you, bitches. <laughs> um, you don't want the uh, Golden Gophers to come to the uh, SEC for a season? No, not really. I, 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 um, my opinion on this should be a little moot because I'm not a huge college football fan. Um, I do watch some of the bigger games when I'm intrigued by some of the players. And when the Gophers are good, which hasn't been often in my life, I'll, I'll perk up and pay attention. Now, they're supposed to be kind of good this year, but again, I always think... And, you got to get a few games into the season before I even trust that. Um, I don't care for college sports just in general. Uh, the the basketball tournament doesn't do much for me. I, but I get that it's huge, and I'm not being critical of it. It's just for me personally. Um, uh, so it does matter to a lot of people. I'm I'm convinced the NFL is just going to roll with it no matter what. Um, they're going to just oh, start on time. They, they, they're skipping the preseason. Um, so... Uh, in Major League Baseball, even with the setbacks they've had, they just keep plowing ahead. and So, I don't know. It is On the pro level, I think it's a little different, largely because you have one governing body, but also because these guys are getting paid. You and I are going to work every day if they choose to do this, because they have the ability to walk away a lot easier than you and I do. So, right. I, um, you know, keeping the fans out of the stands is probably the biggest thing for me on all of this stuff, you know, uh, college and pro. But I get it with college. These guys aren't being paid, and, and there's a liability that the universities are probably smartly thinking of, even though you'd like to think it was more pragmatic, like we just care about these people. You know what I mean? These students that mean too much to us. When they're, you know, because they're losing a lot of money, and that ain't easy to yeah. do. Um, well, my daughter starts U of L this year, the University of Louisville, and she's going to campus. She's she mm-hmm. moves in, you know. After you know, this uh, episode will be out, and she will already be on campus and uh, starting classes and stuff. So, I mean, if you can go to school and go to, go on campus, and even a lot of the uh, the Big Ten schools are talking about they're still going to practice, they're still going to mm-hmm. you know run drills, and also the only thing they're not able to do is play the game, which is which is pretty ridiculous because. Honestly, playing the game is the payoff to all the, you know, that's why you lift all those weights, you know, it's, it's for the game. I just, really, is this really on the show? <laughs> uh, it might be. We'll see how it goes. Uh, for me, okay. it's all about it's all about fantasy football, uh, uh, yeah. uh, even though I haven't played in 
I don't know, 10 or 12 years. Uh, I'm just prepping. I'm, I'm buying magazines and prepping for my draft, you know. Instead of talking about this record, we'll just kind of go through, like, uh, our own kind of, like, sleeper picks and give some recommendations. We'll turn this into a fantasy football show. Well, I mean, you know, one, one guy you got to look out on the Minnesota Vikings this year is Tajay Sharp. Mm. One of my favorite Titans from last year, so I, I I wish him well, man. He was he was always fun, uh, you know. Caught a few touchdown passes last year. He was oh, fun to so watch. He catches the ball. Uh, I love him too. What position does he play? <laughs> <laughs> Got to know your Vikings, man. I, I I do not digest the off season quite like I used to. I, I still pay attention, as you know. I I watch the fucking draft, but I don't know who any of these guys getting drafted are for, for whatever reason. I enjoy it. So yeah, I'm definitely getting to that point where I work on Saturdays so I'm not able to watch college football like mm. I used to and so uh, yeah when it comes down to these players coming into the league I, I have no idea who they are anymore good point welcome back to the show Josh I, I do appreciate uh, <laughs> you taking the time out of your busy life uh, you're, you're going to be moving into a new home here shortly uh, you have nine nine or ten kids something like that um, but only one that you seem to like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> assuming you're them all equally. Sure, hoping your children don't listen to the show. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I have with me today Josh Toomey from the Talk To Me podcast from Podlo or Diabolos in Podcastica. Uh, Diabolos the, in the Podcastica. recent show. Like, yeah, you know, you basically said, you know what, I want to do what you do, Baco, and you dragged Ian Wadley to come in and be your Devin. <laughs> uh, or your, I'm sorry, your loose cannon. <laughs> but. Uh, how are things uh, going over there at Dip? And uh, talk to me. Well, it, you know, things are rolling along at the Talk To Me podcast. And, you know, you were on the last episode of the Diablos and Podcast <laughs> live stream. So you know how it's going over there. So, uh, you know, that might be one that gets tell, bronzed and put alive. in. That episode might get bronzed and put into some podcast <laughs> Hall of Fame. It's, uh, uh, yeah, Chris Sinzak and I joined in kind of mid show and, uh, Things got off the rails pretty fast, and uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's a lot of fun, man. I love doing the show with Ian. Um, you know, obviously, I'll continue to do talk to me. Uh, you know, that's my uh, you know the show. Actually, we're coming up uh, five years, I think, in September. Nice. So from the five year anniversary. I think you guys are just past five years, right? Yeah, we we started in April. Uh, so yeah, yeah. just uh, we're about five and a half into it now. So. And yet somehow you have more episodes. I don't know how it would happen. I think we took a lot of time off while you were just busy busting ass. Well, I think there for a little bit I was doing like two episodes a week. Mm. And then, uh, you know, oh, now I'm doing cheating. the live stream. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, do, I do what I can, you know, just trying to create content, keep it going. I'm definitely diving into the, uh, you know, the video stream. Uh, we just did a video stream with David Silvera, former drummer of Korn, now yep. in a band called... Uh, breaking in a sequence that was a lot of fun kind of getting it was kind of one of those interviews where you got to focus on the new band but you also want to talk about his old band and he was he was uh you know game to play along with uh you know all of the you know like what was it like being in corn questions and, and for longtime listeners of both of our shows they may may or may not remember you may or may not remember but our relationship sort of started with a little bit of football smack talk <laughs> um, and for the first time since then, the Vikings and the two, uh, the Vikings and the Toomies, I was going to call them, the Vikings <laughs> and the Titans well are having their their rematch from that. Uh, what would it have been 2016 game or whatever? Yeah, um, I think Matt Castle came down there and tore you guys a new asshole, um, or he got Is knocked Matt out Castle in the first really quarter. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, wasn't he ended up being yours on your team for a little bit too? Yeah, I was about to say. I was like, wouldn't Matt Castle our quarterback? Yeah, not after us, buddy. Um, <laughs> you you wanna you wanna pony up that bet again? Yeah, I mean we could do it again. All right, uh, just to, to remind you, that was basically uh, the winner gets to write a show intro for their own show, read by the loser. Nice. All right, and I believe it's here in uh, in the Twin Cities. Uh, since we can't go, is that the only reason you're not coming up to go to the game with me? Uh, I was I actually had already bought tickets, and then you know COVID, so yeah, okay. I was going to come hang out with you, but you know, All right, well, too bad. Well, getting back on track, coming in at number fifteen on Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums of all time is the L Seven record "Bricks Are Heavy," and of course, we've already established my guest host this week is from the Talk to Me podcast, from the Diabolos in Podcastica podcast, Josh Toomey. Where is L7 in your fandom just overall right now? As of today? I... Yeah, like, you know, in general, not, not, not at the time so much. I know you were younger, but... Um, no, man. Uh, right now, I mean, L7, I, I 
I still follow them online and, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, but I haven't listened to them probably since, you know, 94, 95, somewhere in there. Now, the name L7, do you know what it means? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, don't be an L7, man. Don't be a square. Square, baby. It's like a, like a, what, what, a 60s term, right? So basically for people at home, you make an L with your left hand, a 7 basically doing the same thing. And you put it together, you make a square. And then, yeah, square is like a loser or some kind of dork back in what... Oh, leave it to Beaver days, right? Yeah, I'm actually looking at the uh, box score to that uh, that, ti- that Titans Vikings game. Uh, four Blair Walsh field goals in this game. Yeah, Blair. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Oh, he but he did miss a point after attempt. So there he is. There he is. There's the okay. Blair I know. Uh, <laughs> but no, man, L7, um, I, you know, I've sent you photos. I saw them in, what, 94? Mm-hmm. It was L7 in the Melvins. I met a few of them that night. Actually, my sophomore photo in high school, I'm wearing an L7 shirt because wow. the concert was the night before pitcher day. So so you're a little more into them than I think I probably thought. Uh, now, would that have been after the next record, Hungry for Stink, came out? or is it Yeah, still- that was like okay. the... Yeah, the Hungry for Stink album tour. It was it was them and opening band the Melvins, and then a, a band called Wool. So that's a very uh, '90s grunge band name, Wool. <laughs> and Hungry for Stink was uh, uh, produced by Garth Richardson, uh, who I just interviewed for the Houdini record. So it would have been nice if he would have produced uh, if that record would have been on the list instead of this one. One that mattered too much to me. Um, L Seven for me. I first heard of them when I was working at the college radio station. I was just looking for anything that kind of had a rock or heavy thing to it. There was a lot of, well, it was all all, all alternative music. So it, I, most of the stuff I found was more in the punk vein. And it was their debut record. I think it's an Epitaph record, which was famous for like, oh, shit, um, The Offspring for one. Um, but uh, that would come later, of course. But, yeah, there was a song called Bite the Wax Tadpole, which I thought was just a, the most ridiculous <laughs> name. So I used to play that on my show quite a bit. And yeah, by the time this record came out, you know, I was I was really looking forward to uh, to hearing kind of them on, on a major label deal. So let me just get into a little bit of the album details here right off the bat. It was released April 14th, 1992. Um, this is on the, like I just mentioned, their first major label record off on Slash Records, which I believe is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers and produced by Butch Vig, who is known, of course, for doing Nevermind and tons of other records. But uh, never mind, it's probably the one that kind of put him on the map. Before I, I make my, my first comments uh, on them, I want people to uh, go back to the Screaming Trees episode in case they think this is sexist, because this band is a bunch of eye broccoli, if you know what I mean here. There's, uh, <laughs> these are not pretty gals. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just like I said with Screaming Trees, you know, they're, they're, they're the male version of of L7 when in the looks department. They don't See, even I think I'm going to I'm going to argue that point with you cuz I was actually mm. watching the um pretend that we're dead video getting ready for this and I was like they they were of the time and I think I mean maybe because I think I would have been like 14 or 15 at this time but like like girls with guitar like you give a girl a guitar she already like moves up a little bit in the ladder of hotness and then mm. you know kind of the grunginess and stuff I was I I was a uh, I was a fan. Okay, uh, so. well, we watch different porn. Um, that's all I and can I do, say. I, and, and what's funny is I didn't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing with eye broccoli because I enjoy broccoli. So. Well, so do I. But come on, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. That said, no, they they definitely had some punk cred. That that uh, that record that I used to spin at the radio station, I believe it's just called L7. Um, it's been a long time since I even listened to that. But you know, that was just very raw, high energy kind of classic punk music. It's uh. Um, and we'll talk about the grunge definition and get your thoughts on that as a little bit later here, but a little bit on, on the band's history too. Did you know they reunited with basically this entire record lineup in 2014 and, and basically have continued? Um, I did not know that. I, like I said, I follow them on Instagram, kind of keep up with them a little bit here and there, but yeah, I didn't know exactly what they were up to these days. Okay. Uh, what about the album cover? What do you think of that? Well, first off, I was listening to this on Spotify, so I never really saw the album cover. Mm, oh, boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> but, uh, but looking at it, man, I mean, obviously it's just, you know, some camera tricks with the, you know, it looks like they got a little bit of fire, Looks mm-hmm. like, makes it looks a little bit like snakes. Uh, this panel... Parental advisory flame yeah. thing at the bottom is pretty pretty r- ridiculous, but uh, but yeah. other than that, I mean, it's it's a grungy album cover. 
I like it a lot. I know something about the green, just uh, and and that that fire color kind of pops. It just uh, and I I think I'm not even sure even back in the day if I ever really looked at it that hard to see what was going on as much as I did prepping for this show. But man, it's uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Good album cover. I like it. All right. Good job, L7. Good job. Good job, ladies. Are you saying this is good for a women? As the album cover or the uh, you know, album I'm just, or yeah, I'm the band? To, I'm or? trying to make a. I'm, I'm trying to point paint you as a sexist. Like, <laughs> the guitar playing is good for a girl. <laughs> for some chicks. Yeah. <laughs> for some broads. I should mention this was recorded in uh, the, my neighboring state, uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, at Sound City Studios. So, or Smart Studios in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Sound Studio is where they finished it in uh, California there. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably why some of these songs suck so much. Good uh, point. But, uh, yeah, I, did, I would say that's probably what makes it sound so bad. You know, they probably had at the board... You know, hooked up backwards or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Everything was going on. <laughs> Maybe I tipped my hand a little there too much. But uh, uh, any other thoughts on the on the band or the record? Anything about them at all before we get into the record here? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, side one uh, opens up with the track "Wargasm." putting this album on for the first time in forever i forgot how awesome this song is it's it's a it's a pretty rocking tune you know it's uh mm-hmm. kind of comes in almost like like female slayer <laughs> it's 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 like it's it's uh it's pretty awesome and i was i was taken aback at how cool that track was it's almost thrashy i love the riff it's a it, it's a the 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 melody line for for the verses don't do much for me the the name though wargasm is brilliant and it is it is basically I mean that is an L, like probably the epitome of an L seven song title. It's a good opening track. Uh, what kind of rating system are you going with today? Uh, I mean, for this first one, we're definitely going with bloody tampons. So. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I they they mentioned those for the listeners who don't know. They actually talk about those quite a bit and would often pull them out during shows. Uh, supposedly, I never actually witnessed one. Did you? Uh, I don't think I've ever witnessed it. I think there's been photos, but it looks like they. Uh, I guess the the folklore was somebody was kind of heckling them. She pulled it out, twisted it like a uh, t-shirt over her head, and flinged it at the person. So that's kind of the the gist that I've always got from this bloody tampon, uh, you know, uh, story. Yeah, they're like uh, you know, like wasp would throw meat. They would throw tampons with their pull, right. pulled pulled out of the. Uh, well, the tampon holder. Let's just call it that. So, how many, uh, <laughs> how many, <laughs> how many bloody tampons do you give uh, Wargasm? I gave this one a five. This is a five bloody tampon. Wow. Uh, Wargasms get gets three and a half bloody tampons for me. Uh, the next song, uh, it, it goes to a song called Scrap. <laughs> to say on this. I thought the song was kind of lame and completely forgettable. It had that kind of um, singing through a telephone vocal sound. It, it just didn't do much for me. It's a quick little punk hitter, so I get why it's track two, but uh, I think there is certain things about this record that, that come off kind of weak, and this is one of them. There's a lot of sameness. This is a, this is a mm. very samey record. Um, you know, that's the one thing where you have to like literally sit down and write down notes for each song because... They do kind of just kind of blend in together as one big giant song. Uh, one thing I noticed on the album, do you think these are real drums? Oh, you know, I wasn't listening to it that way. I would say yes for the most part. I mean, um, man, were we that advanced with drum machines at this point? 
I mean, that's it's like 90, what, 92, 91, 92? I suppose, I mean, yeah, yeah, they definitely were, huh? I don't know what the and, hell I, mean, I was thinking. And, and, if, and, if they're drum, and if it's a drum machine, I mean, I'm not saying that's the, you know, the best drum machine I've ever heard, but it definitely, they definitely kind of sound fake. So hmm. uh, I was kind of wondering if, if this, these are real drums on here. Man, uh, I, I didn't come across anything that said it wasn't, but uh, Jesus, maybe? <laughs> maybe? They are tight. I, I mean, they're recorded very, you know, I don't know. You know, th- maybe he recorded them the way uh, Mutt Lang records them, you know, like basically play the cymbal part for the song, um, which I don't understand how drummers can fucking pull off, which is why not many can, right. but... It could have been played to a click track. This this record does not have that looseness of some yeah, of their it's earlier very, stuff. Very sterile when yeah. it comes to that. It's just not a lot yeah. of soul in the, uh, in the in the music. <laughs> there we go. Well, if you, what do you give? What's the rating going on for Scrap here? Uh, Scrap gets a two point five bloody tampons. All right, um, I'm giving it two bloody tampons. <laughs> I did not like the song at all, and it, it actually got penalized. You know, typically when I when I when I think a song is kind of like, eh, I, I've been giving it threes. It's when something next level is is going on that that I actually go below a three. Uh, to, to tip my hat on all the other episodes I've done, this song I literally when I was done, I was writing my notes down, and I couldn't remember how it went. I had to go back and play it. <laughs> Because it started playing the next track, Pretend We're Dead, and I was like, shit, how the hell did Scrap go? And I had to go back and listen to it again. It was just, I'm like, when you're that boring, it's just time to, you're lucky I gave you a two, I suppose. But uh, up next is the, the, the first single, and, and easily their, their most recognizable track, uh, their biggest hit uh, were it to be, but uh, Pretend That We're Dead. of the L7 catalog obviously it's it's you know every time i hear it it's a good song it's a good catchy song good pop song Un- totally understand why it got so big in an album full of bland this definitely sticks out as the lone you know single huge track off of it uh went back watched the video today that was definitely on constant rotation on MTV mm-hmm. slash 120 minutes and all that and probably even made it into headbangers ball somehow yeah but uh but yeah man <laughs> but yeah I, I loved it man it's kind of a kind of a staple of this era for me it probably is the best song on the record like if i had to sit down with it and pick a single uh like if i was working on it or something like that like this wouldn't maybe be my personal favorite but i would understand why it probably should be that and you're right, the video got a solid push from MTV, you know. back This is still back, you know, uh, for the children out there when MTV played videos most of the day, not just on special yeah. shows and that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, but it was also a 120 minutes, I guarantee it, hit fucking Headbangers Ball, and it was getting kind of a regular rotation there. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Kennedy told me to listen to this a few times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lyrics to me, I, the, I always thought this song was really stupid. And I wished I liked it better, but when I was actually just reading the lyrics for what they are, the lyrics are actually pretty good. They're just sung in a way that seems so kind of juvenile, almost in the same way that, um, oh, people are going to shred me for this, but fuck them. Uh, Neil Young, Rockin' in the Free World. I always thought that was like that the delivery on, on that song. It's like, this sounds kind of dumb the way you sing it. <laughs> and that's kind of what I get from this. But... That's not a deal breaker for me when it comes to enjoying the tune. So yeah, I still give this a four and a half bloody tampons. What about you? Yeah, this is another five for me. So five bloody tampons. Though no, the one thing about the vocals on this whole album, it's very, you know, it's almost like talking mm-hmm. in rhythm, and then you know you get a little. The screams are good. I like the screams, but yeah, for the most part, it's just like a lot of almost monotone talking over music. 
Yeah, I, I get into the 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 the, um, the singing on this record uh, on a handful of times coming up here, but I tend to agree that is kind of the weak spot. Uh, and it seemed like they went. I don't know. I I didn't listen to anything after this record, so I don't know how they would have progressed. But it seemed like on this record there was a there was an attempt to kind of like tighten it up, smooth it up, and they just don't have the chops to really be that band. If you know what I mean, as as, as raw as Kurt Cobain sounds. There is still this connectability to his voice that I think people went for. Um, even though it was never really my cup of tea, I can still get it. But yeah. Uh, well, the next song, Diet Pill. the opening riff on this one but again this kind of touches on almost your sameness thing there's a few more of these coming up but uh this supposedly is about a woman in a in an abusive uh relationship and while she's on amphetamines uh he beats her up and she kills him with a frying pan and then only has 200 dollars to split town and i don't know ditch the kids apparently um wow uh, what are your thoughts besides uh how sad that is <laughs> <laughs> you know i just kind of took this one at the the face value and i was thinking about diet pills and have you ever taken diet pills baco well no but you know i mean, I mean amphetamines are used um for for yeah. losing weight among other things yeah i think I think it's like the late 90s early 2000s when like hydroxy cut was like real big i mean i've done um, a lot of crack you know, <laughs> lost a ton of weight. You would, you yeah. know what? You want to lose some weight quick, kids? Crack is the way to go. It is, I mean, within weeks, you'll be 15, 20 pounds lighter. Hmm. You'll also but need to go to the dentist, but, uh, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, who cares if you're, if you're 160 <laughs> pounds if you have your teeth? <laughs> it's a great Nobody way cares. to lose some weight in a pinch. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, oh, you know, horrible. good song, uh, you know. Definitely had my uh, my battles with diet pills back in my younger days, so that was kind of like where I went with that one. Oh, really? Are you being serious? Were you a bit of a chubby kid? Oh yeah, I mean I'm I, I still battle weight all the time, but I mm. mean when I was fresh out of high school, the band was starting to get successful, like locally successful, and then you know I got I got basically like uh, you know uh, I definitely had my puffy problems with with diet pills, and uh, I got down to. You know, I'm probably currently probably 70 pounds heavier than I was at my lightest. Even when you were wearing Jenkos on a rainy day? Good point. Yeah, yeah. You would, you know, <laughs> you got to wear the white joke? beater with the Jenkos. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you where you, you uh, soak up, you know, pretty much <laughs> all of the water as you walk by puddles. It's like your pants are just basically water wicks at that point. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like Diet Pill. I gave it yeah. uh, four and a half bloody tampons. By the way, uh, at, at least this part, we're almost uh, we're about ten episodes in at this point. This is the grossest uh, thing, that, and we've had, you know, <laughs> used needles and cigarette butts and coffee cups. So, uh, cheers. I appreciate you. Yeah, I give uh, gave Diet Pill four four bloody tampons. All right. Uh, next up is Everglade. A three minute and sixteen second songs, they really drug out the intro. It's almost a minute long. Um, <laughs> what were your thoughts here? Uh, I believe Everglade is what the second single off the album. You know, it's it's catchier than most, but it still kind of falls into that monotone drone of this entire album. Yeah. And it's still funny that you said that Butch Vig produced this 
because it sounds more like uh, what is his name? Jack and Dino produced it. It sounds. Oh really, it man? Sounds, not it, to I, me. I think it sounds more bleach than it would. Never mind. So I, I honestly, if you want, this sounds to me more like it was produced by somebody who um, uh, is known for creating the sound of the record, like a Bob Rock. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, I think a Jack and Dino works with the artist, or or even Butch Vig does. So I I'm gonna tell you, Butch Vig cashed a paycheck here. Uh, he did he did a fine job <laughs> sonically. I just don't yeah. know what what. Uh, and, and you know what? Again, I don't know what he's working with here. You know, it's not like he's sitting behind the board looking at the uh, at the ladies getting all turned on. So I mean, he should be able to focus on on his job. You know? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I mean, he's yeah. You know, this is not female dream theater, so we're right. also dealing with that. Hey, but you know, you you never know what he's into. Maybe he's into some uh, grungy ladies. <laughs> yeah, this is true. He does kind of have a bit of uh, alternative cred, doesn't he? Is this the first album that's not from Seattle, by the way, that you've done so far? Oh no, we did uh, Stone Temple Pilots for sure. Uh, let me I got the list right here. Um, well, that's my ranking. That's not going to help us. Um, Stone Temple. Well, Screaming Trees technically, but they were kind of like upstate Washington. Yeah, this is only the second one. Stone Temple was yeah. the only other one. Because L Seven is what from L A. I you know, I had no idea actually. Uh, <laughs> so much yeah. for my fucking for, research. Form, formed in L.A. So yeah. All right, fair enough. So yeah, second album on your on your top twenty five, not from Seattle. And to to uh, validate your um your ranking system for anybody that thinks we're being really mean and gross or sexist, uh, one one of the stories they share all the time is that when I think uh, who are the two key members, Danita Sparks and. Uh, I just had it in front of me. Uh, Danita and the guitar player. Um, uh, Susie Gardner? Susie Gardner. They uh, When they first met, uh, one of them borrowed a tampon from the other, and they loved to tell that story back in the day. <laughs> uh, and like, and you shared already shared the story about the, the whole incident on stage, what they would you know apparently do once in a while. But we were talking about Everglade. Uh, I gave that. I liked it. I like it a lot. Uh, I think it's a cool tune. I gave it four bloody tampons. Uh, three and a half from me. All right. Well, side one of the cassette, because I don't know that this was actually pressed on vinyl at the time anyway, um, is uh, a song called uh, Slide. I do not remember this song, and uh, did not get a very high grade. So there's that's my thoughts on Slide. Um, uh, not not a lot different for me. I do think it's another killer riff for whatever reason. They did put a, a bunch of great guitar riffs on this record. Um, I'm just having a hard time connecting with the singing. Um, yeah, their the sound rough. works better when it's raw. You know what I mean? The the vocals are almost too polished, if that makes any sense. But they just don't have the um, the talent to, uh, to to pull that off. So it works a little bit better when it's more about energy and rawness than it is about, oh, you know, really nailing this part. So I think a lot of times, I mean, you basically get kind of this kind of dumbed down, talky kind of you know, thing where it just, it, it just doesn't really connect with me. Yeah, it's a lot of like the drums and the guitar and the bass just all kind of like... Dun 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 dun. You know, with a with a kind of a droney vocal over it. So there's not a lot of, you know, there's obviously not a lot of flashy guitar playing on this. You know, Tommy Thayer doesn't come out of the woodwork and wow you with his with his solos or anything like that. So I would say this is the Tommy Thayer guitar playing of grunge. Oh, nice. That's a quote right there. Not bad, but not great. Yeah, I mean, and plus they always, they, you know, that that's another thing in here too. Was with the they do have actual solos throughout this album, <laughs> but they're like, but they're like solos in, in quotation marks. Yeah, I got a couple notes on that coming up, some specific ones in mind. But uh, all right, well, I had three and a half uh, bloody tampons. What do you got? Uh, two and a half. 
Wow. So is that your lowest rating so far? Yeah, there's there's a couple lower, but yeah, that's the lowest so far. Well, before we flip the cassette, um, let's talk a little bit about... Now, you are are the youngest guest host I've had on this series so far. So you, you, you're going to have, a, a, I think, a, a unique perspective. Like, well, everybody had their own, but it's just coming in at 91, before grunge really broke, what would you say you, you were listening to? What was the core to me playlist in 1991 or around that time anyway you gotta remember 91 i turned 12 you're right so yeah let's paint the picture um, for the listener here yeah so and that's what uh, seven years after dad left to get a pack of cigarettes right <laughs> no that was the other that was the other host oh, okay. uh, <laughs> the um at the time, you know, late 80s, I got into Sorry, I Mr. Toomey. I didn't mean anything personal. Uh, <laughs> I was don't talk re- about my dad like that. Yeah. Um, no, the, uh, the, you know, the, the Toomey playlist at the time was definitely Makeup Era Kiss. Mm. Um, I had some older cousins that really got me, like, way into Kiss. Um, you know, Def Leppard, uh, like a hysteria Def Leppard, not cool Def Leppard. Um, <laughs> you know, like... And just pretty much anything that my dad, honestly, speaking of my dad, anything my dad was kind of jamming out, White Snake, and and all that was kind of in the, in in yeah, the he's washing his car in the driveway, fucking cranking oh, like it's yeah. still the night, right? Dude, my in the eighties, my dad had a had a black Camaro C twenty eight, like the heaviest door you've ever had in your, you know, tried to shut in your life as a little kid, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was pretty badass. We were actually joking about it. He had, he, he he had a perm at that time. He got a perm at one point, and he wore these like I mean he was Damn. totally like eighties dad. It was awesome. I but, am uh, more turned on by your dad just by your the picture you painted <laughs> than I am by any member of this band. Ooh, well I don't know about that one. Uh, but ninety one, um, you know the Black Album comes out, Inner Sandman and all that stuff, and I that's when I like start making a beeline towards. You know any of the heavier stuff, you know Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax, all that at the time. But yeah, so I mean, so yeah, that's what I was listening to in '91. So, so and, you know, honestly, you know, Nevermind came out too, and it, it definitely, uh, uh, you know, was on the radar. Well, okay, well, well, Nirvana of course breaks. Even as a 12 year old, if you were paying attention to music, you know, it smells like Teen Spirit was everywhere. So, what about what happened after that? Uh, did you like grunge music in general? And did you adapt to it quick or, or later or never? I mean, how would you feel about grunge in general at that time? Um, I, I liked some of the like the main stuff, like you know Nirvana, Pearl Jam at the time, and then I definitely didn't go down the Alice in Chains and Soundgarden path. You know, I I immediately went you know Metallica and then went heavier like into like Deicide and Obituary. So okay, you know, I've, I've I've made the jokes many times on my show. It's like when Headbangers Ball was on. And they're playing the Blind Melon No Rain video on Headbangers Ball. I was just like, what the hell? You know, I want to hear more Morbid Angel. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> so it, There's no reason to play fucking No Rain on goddamn Headbangers Ball. Good point. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely didn't get into it as much. You know, li- actually listening to your show and hearing, like, and, and I hate to sound like, oh, yes, I am yeah. the youngest one on here. But, but hearing people like, man, I was in college when this came out. And it, it definitely, you know, hit a chord, you know, my freshman year at college. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and maybe had I been a couple of years older, maybe I would have had that, um, you know, feeling, too, about it. But it definitely it de- only thing it really did for me is I was already growing my hair long because of I was kind of getting more into into rock and metal. And then as soon as kind of kind of the grunge stuff hit. Like the kids that didn't talk to me in school, all of a sudden started talking to me. Like, dude, I think I want to grow my hair long too. <laughs> you know, I got more of that in high school uh, uh, as opposed to you know uh, as a camaraderie thing. Deicide actually, their debut record came out what ninety or ninety one, something like that. Yeah, that was kind of in the same time timeline. Now, uh, you know, a much more underground thing. But you know, you, you mentioned them there. Um, I just remember I first heard of them right around this time as well, but. Um, well, well, how about now? I mean, uh, do, do, do you, uh, do, do you have any affinity to this at all? Is it just still not, you know, you, you like what you like, but as a movement overall, you, not, not a big deal. How would you describe it? Yeah. I mean, I like you know, some of the stuff, but yeah, as a, as a fan of music, I definitely don't go to grunge for any, you know, I don't have any, um, fond memories of listening to this as a kid, so it's not like something I go back to and like, man, I remember that summer of '92. You know, <laughs> my summer of '92 was a lot of 
by myself crying listening to Sad But True or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had some friends. Some people take exception with the grunge definition, and, and some of these bands are included in on it, like, well, Pearl Jam isn't grunge, and I don't think... yeah. I have kind of accepted it, especially because like the the very first four bands that broke because the term grunge was shoved down our throats at the time. Like you said, you know, I do think you needed to be a little bit older to get kind of swept up. I think college is about the perfect age for this movement at yeah. the time, but um, it wasn't like grunge was a term they slapped on it on the back end. Is all I'm getting at. I mean, it was Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, and and Nirvana, and they were all grunge, and those are very four. Very different sounding bands. So to me, you know, I, look, I, I just I've accepted grunge almost from the beginning that it's kind of an umbrella term. It, it's very it, it covers a lot of stuff. Do you feel that way? Or are you more like, nope, this is grunge. That's not grunge. You don't get to be grunge. No, I think it's a pretty blanket statement. The one band that's on here that you get you actually blew me away by how much you loved was Stone Temple Pilots. Like mm. I never liked them and i never got it i never got them as as anything more than just almost like a copy and so it was funny hearing you and uh was that zeus that did that one that was zeus yeah yeah you just you know kind of just like going deep and like talking about just how much you love purple and i'm like wow okay well purple was the album that changed my mind on them um when core came out i was exactly like you i was like this is, I mean, first of all, this is a kiss riff, uh, you know, with sex type thing. Um, I was just, and it just seemed like, and the fact that there was like, oh, I saw an STP oil logo and then I made a band name. And it just seemed like they were trying too hard to be alternative, like just latch on to this movement. But I think on Purple, they kind of showed that like, wait a second, there's there's more to this band than that. And then I went back to, to core and I got into that. And then the, the stuff after that kind of validated that. But I get it. All I'm, all I'm saying is, I get where someone would go. Like this is so phony. Yeah, and but I do, I do agree that that the grunge name can be a blanket statement because as much as you guys kind of go back to the grunge era and think fondly on it, obviously my listeners know, and I and I get a lot of crap for. It, but I mean, coming out of coming into high school and right out of high school, obviously the new metal thing was big. So I look back on that time period mm. as like. That's kind of like my "quote unquote" grunge. Absolutely, but the, you know the new the new metal term could be anything from Static X to Deftones, which don't sound anything alike. Or disturbed. But they're still, yeah. Well, we don't talk about them, but um, <laughs> they're like the I, I, I get that, but I'm like, you know, a, let's 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 be honest here. Even Limp Bizkit yeah, yeah. was new metal. Oh well, and you know, one of the best, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's your <laughs> that's your bread and butter there. But uh, no, I get that. I'm I'm not really um. I get why people get angry, and it's fun to, kind of, if anything, it kind of stokes it. But I've never been uh, that guy, you know what I mean? In new metal, yeah. it was never a big movement for me, but there's stuff in there that I absolutely love, you know what I mean? Uh, so I would be on your show, a new metal show, if you wanted to do a sidecast, you know, <laughs> for a handful of records that I, I, I think are killer. But uh, um, by the way, isn't it 20th or 30th anniversary of uh, uh, one of the one of the big Limp Bizkit records this year? What year is this? 2020? 2020. So, yeah, what it came out in 2000 would have been what? Significant Other or is Chocolate it? Starfish? I was thinking Chocolate Starfish, but I, you know. Yeah. Anyway, all for the nookie. Well, I have to ask uh, Aaron Camaro, who sent me one of his old Limp Biscuit shirts. So Right on. <laughs> uh, well, was there anything not on this list that you would have moved up? Honestly, I mean, if you're going to look at the top 50, I mean, I was, I was way, I was actually a really big fan of Rubberneck by the Toadies. Not that the one first definitely. person to mention that. Yeah, that was a, that's a, that's a really great album, start to finish. Um, L7's on there a couple times. Paul, you know, yeah, I mean, there's you know Tad's on here. I, I think it covers pretty much everything. I don't I don't see anything jumping out, glaring. I mean, I, I like how how represented like the Melvins are. You know, they definitely don't yeah. get to think as much credit as they probably should for a lot of this. And uh, for the, but seeing them on here a couple of times. Uh, you know, Rolling Stone actually might have got something right. Yeah, as much as I would rank them differently, I think this is one of those lists because typically these lists are generated just to, to get people to argue. I think, well, just because I personally would slide some of this stuff around, this seems like a fairly honest list. Is all I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, it looks like 
towards the bottom, they gotta throw in like things like the human and yeah. the gets like the fluid. I'm like, yeah, stuff I've never. The who are the wipers? You know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, we cover the human in the uh, the episode I did with Lamarol yeah. on the Deep Six record, but. Uh, um, well, I've been asking everybody. I know you've been waiting. You've been sitting there going, when's he going to ask? When's he going to ask? Did grunge kill hair metal? I've, you know, I, honestly, listening to this show, it's kind of changed my opinion a little bit because obviously I would say yes. But then you hear, I think a lot of things killed hair metal. Okay. A, hair metal killed hair metal because <laughs> it, it was like third or fourth generation hair metal by the time you got to this point. It was systematic. Uh, you know, you got to release the ballad and then the heavy song and then yeah. this and then the that. And, you know, the, the third song on the album has to be like this. And, you know, they definitely got a formula to it. So I think they, they kind of just ran its course kind of thing. And then, yeah, I think grunge, uh, you know, when it came out, obviously I'd been listening to the stuff with my dad and I was like, you know what? I really want to buy a guitar. I want I wanted to be Ace Freely. Um, as a, as like a you know, nine ten year old, and we actually put a pawn shop guitar on layaway, but we never got it out. And, you know, money money reasons or whatever. Sure. But it, at, even at the time, I was like, car polish was more important. Car oh, waxing yeah, the car. Yeah. You gotta make that Z twenty eight shine. <laughs> um, but at the time, all the guys in the in the magazines had you know looked like poison, and you know like I yeah. was like I'm not gonna wear makeup to be in a band and so the one thing that i did enjoy about the grunge and metallica and kind of all that stuff coming out they look like dudes just playing guitar getting up there uh just in their in their you know flannels and you know just jeans and a t-shirt kind of stuff to where it wasn't as much of a show um as as hair metal like hair metal was so over the top by the time grunge hit yeah i think people were people i think were just ready to move on but yeah, so hair metal killed itself. Grunge definitely helped. But then you've also got kind of the thrash scene that kind of came out too. That that really, you know, kill posers dead and all that stuff too. You got that that along with it too. Definitely, uh, you know, put the death nail in the whole thing. I that last part I agree with a, a lot, and I don't think it gets talked about too much. I know I've brought it up, but the, the thrash metal probably peaked popularity wise ninety ninety one, but. But that was definitely a big part of it. I mean, a lot of the same people that got into grunge were, you know, just getting into Anthrax in 86. Uh, Guns mm-hmm. N' Roses kind of started getting the, that movement going, too. It's like, it doesn't have to be poison. You know what I mean? You can just get up here and just, you know, howl and wail and just be a good rock band. Um, so And that had, because those are a lot of the same fans, they, they pulled away from it. But uh, And then Def Leppard, basically, like, look, our drummer doesn't even have two arms. So... Uh, <laughs> And check out uh, the uh, the Diablosum Podcastica episode on Pyromania. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. That, that whole podcast is just, I just basically set Ian up and let him go. Like, there's no <laughs> rhyme or reason to anything that happens on that show. Uh, I, I've, I've been fortunate to uh, to not only meet the guy and, and, and uh, um, bro hug him a few times, but he's been on the show. And yeah, there really isn't, you don't have to wind him up too much. He's ready to go. Word. All right, well, let's get back to uh, Brixer Heavy here. Side two of the cassette opens up with one more thing. tone on this record is consistent it's it's basically one tone but it, yeah. it's it's a it's a killer tone it's just it's really layered and beefy it's super saturated with some sort of you know i don't know if th- th- there's modulation going on all the time um but this guitar solo on this song even for grunge <laughs> is fucking sad as a guy who can play guitar but doesn't play a lot of lead and and the the few times i do how much work it is this sounded like me, like, let's just make it simpler and simpler 
and simpler. They kept just <laughs> dumbing it down until she could play it clean. Um, so I this and also the song doesn't do much for me, but uh, at least it opens up with that killer guitar tone that I love. You know, another just droney like the vocals on this the the vocals on this track are some of the most droney. Yeah. And I just have in my notes the word "ug," so I'm, I'm assuming I did not like this one very much. You didn't write down "eye broccoli." <laughs> no, they're definitely like eye broccoli with cheese, you know, because I, I thoroughly enjoy some broccoli and cheese. Can I can I get ranch <laughs> instead of cheese? Uh, you know, I'm getting older. Um, <laughs> two and a half bloody tampons. You sound like you're five. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half bloody tampons for Baco on this one. I, I got two on this one. Uh, ooh, yeah. well, we both did not like the wayside two opened up. Fuck you, Butch of Egg. Um, <laughs> all right, well, the next song, um, Mr. Integrity. title dumb lyrics you know what pretty killer tune though i did i didn't like this one as much so uh, yeah i'm definitely uh not a fan of this one either it reminded me of um uh black sunshine by white zombie that didn't do um vocally this is probably the best delivery on the record though um there is a subtle swagger in the verses that I think uh, comes across pretty well. But uh, And also, I noted this one for the guitar solo. When you can't play very good, this is what you do. You just, <laughs> you make it fucking, you, again, you saturate the shit out of it and make some noise. Who, who plays better leads? These ladies or Doyle? Oh, these ladies, yeah. Uh, does, I don't know, does, I've never seen Doyle play a lead. I've never seen Doyle play guitar. Oh, zing. Uh, Joey Haney <laughs> in your head now? Uh, he he can... just kind of like does more punches it. Just... Well, oh, I get you. Okay, yeah. Well, there's that whole rumor that like he's not even plugged in and someone's off stage playing the entire time. There might be somebody off stage playing along with him, but I'm not sure. I, I don't have well, any. AC's, well, th- during the Misfits reunion, I mean, AC Slate is on stage playing along with him. But oh, he, he comes on player. stage? Yeah, he's on stage. He's back by Lombardo, but yeah, he's on stage. Well, I mean, at least that's um, the the integrity is still intact then. Mister Integrity, that is Mister Integrity. Oh, look at that! Yeah. Oh my God. Where where did you rank this song? How many bloody tampons does this fucker get? Another two and a half. Okay. Uh, I like this one a lot more than you. I gave it four and a half, man. uh, This is a good song. Uh, It is dumb as shit. These lyrics might be some of the worst (laughs) ever written, but... uh, And I'm not even sure what they're talking about, to be honest with you. It's like, oh, you're Mr. Integrity. Maybe they're making fun of somebody for trying to, like, drive a shitty car on purpose. I don't know. Well, with that said, the next song, I'm pretty sure, is about Gene Simmons' dick. It's called Monster. Lines are always welcome to open a song. Yeah. So nice, meaty, crunchy, uh, crunchy bass line to open a track. Again, it's, I mean, it's, this point of the record, I mean, we're just in an L7 record that's, if you like Wargasm, Scrap, and Pretend That We're Dead, and you let it play, you're going to enjoy the last part of the record, too. Um, mm, good nothing point. really jumps out, you know, nothing really jumps out towards the end of this record. But uh, but yeah, Monster is another you know it's it's a middle of the road L seven song for L seven. <laughs> I, I do think they are actually going third person, talking about a dude talking about his dick. And at this point, yeah, I've mentioned a couple times there are some really killer riffs on this record. There's a part in the solo on this one where they actually do a kind of a full step slide up and then a full step a full step slide down, and that's kind of standard rock production. So I'm wondering if that's like a bit of Butch Vig kind of going, you should do this, and that kind of way it sounds like this, and I don't know. 
Uh, that being said, you got four bloody tampons from me. I gave this one uh, three bloody tampons. Up next is uh, what inspired Chris Jericho and his whole listing is the, the track Shit List. <laughs> More fucking genius pros, my God. This is uh, Bob Dylan probably uh, plagiarized this song. What did you think? This was a Natural Born Killers. It's funny because you go to the the the, the wiki or the uh, YouTube, and the all the basically everybody's like, I came here because of Natural Born Killers. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, just very. This is a very sign of the times track, vocal topic. You know, you made my shit list. You know, just like. Can, can, uh, can I read some of the lyrics? Uh, yeah, I've actually got them pulled up too. That's funny. Yeah. When I get mad and I get pissed, I grab shit my list. pen and write out a list of all the people that won't be missed. You just made the list. The shit list. <laughs> no, you've, you've made my shit list as uh Oh my God! For the ones who bum me out, shit list. For the all for the all the ones who fill my head with doubt, shit list. For all the squares who get pissed, squares L seven baby, shit list. You've made my shit list. So yeah, this is um, this is embarrassingly bad lyric writing. I think um, I'm not sure. Uh, this is this is kind of filler for me. There's also a vocal technique. She does it early in the album too, but not as bad. But in this one she hits like the goat boy this weird <laughs> gargle thing going on that just sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, where she just hits hits Jim Brewer's goat boy for a little while. Yeah, this song doesn't do it for me. It's still got the fucking three bloody tampons, so it, it, to me that should be the this should be the low mark of the record, but it's and unfortunately it's not. <laughs> it also got three bloody tampons from me too. Well, uh, it sounds like mercifully for both of us, the album ends now with uh, "This Ain't a Pleasure." actually kind of kind of finishes off the album pretty rocking um mm-hmm. you know it's pretty uh for for as much as the droney and kind of kind of samey throughout this album this is a pretty punk upbeat song you know it's pretty rocking for me i like it i i almost thought that um i thought the same thing in a sense like this almost seemed like it was produced by somebody else and then thrown on here hmm. um yeah i get that too yeah it does sound like it, it kind of out of place on the album it's it's so it's definitely different. It might have actually probably been better maybe somewhere in the middle of the album to kind of mm. break it up a little bit. But yeah, it's definitely uh definitely sticks out. It's a so. great it's a great closer. Um and as much shit as we both give in the singing, I think this is actually very good. This is more what they're they, they should do though. It's just raw and screamy and there there's passion and and deli- in, in the, the the delivery a little bit. And then of course the the super awesome lyric again and monkeys can't fly. Um, but uh, <laughs> even with that slight aside, I, I think the album closes with uh, three and a half bloody tampons. I gave this one three. I I definitely tried to get into this record, even going back and listening to it this last week. Um, I do think sonically it sounds pretty good, and there's some really good stuff uh, as far as you know, like being able to nitpick riffs and things of that nature. I would see these guys live, you know, given the opportunity, but I don't see me listening to their music on my own at home ever being something that ever really happens. I rem- I, I remember when this record came out, and I really wanted to like it at the time because my roommate hated hated them. 
Um, so I really wanted to be the guy that got into it. I just couldn't. They're just not that good. I have not listened to anything after this record, so I'm judging them basically on three albums and this being the, the last one. And this is, to me, this is, is better than those other two. But this this definitely sounds kind of like, um, you know, trying to prepackage the grunge movement a little bit. I slid this one all the way down from 15 on the list to my personal list to number 21. I think that L7 as a band are very, and this is a very overused word when it comes to something like this, but they are a very important band for a lot of, you know, female bands out there that kind of came along afterwards. There was uh, the, the big Riot Girl movement. I'm glad you, know, you said that. Gr- we really didn't touch on that a little bit. Um, that's one thing that probably they should be given more credit for than we talked about. So thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, and I, I do, you know, You've interviewed women on the show. I've interviewed women on my show. It's so hard not to be like, so what's it like being a girl in a band? Yeah. You know, you you want to, you try to stay away from that as much as you can. But when you're talking about a band like L7, you do need to bring in the fact that they were, uh, you know, pioneers in a, in a certain sound. I mean, there are tons of girl, all-female bands that sound like L7 to this day. Yeah. Um, that they're still coming out. And, you know, it's not, it's not a sound that I necessarily love. But, you know, I I went and saw them live in the 90s, and, you know, when they come on, I'm not turning them off, and, you know, Pretend We're Dead is a good song, and it's it's overall, um, I you know, they have a sound. I mean, when you hear L7, you know it's L7. Yeah, for so I, um, So, I mean, in the, in, the, in the pantheon of grunge, um, I actually moved this album up um, wow. in, my, in my list. I put them at number 11. Hmm. There you go. We kind of offset each other there. Um, <laughs> down five <laughs> of five almost. Uh, somewhere there. But Well, thank you uh, very much, Josh, for coming on the show. Um, the Talk To Me podcast, of course, can be found anywhere you you listen to podcasts. So if you're listening to this show, whatever app you're using, and you, you're probably already checking you out anyway. I mean, uh, at this point, if you don't know who talk, how to listen to the, your show, <laughs> you, I don't know how you, you don't know. And also, of course, Diabolus and Podcastica. How many episodes are you guys up to on that? Um, you know what? We don't keep count, so I, but I think it's roughly about 15. I would say 15. Nice. We don't number them, so it's, it's kind of a... Uh, Kind of a thing, man. But yeah, the the Diabolism and Podcastica podcast is me and Ian Wadley. He was formerly of Rock and Metal Combat. He's been on your show many a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, you know he's definitely a blast to listen to. And now that I'm not editing as much of the podcast, it's fun to do a podcast with because <laughs> you know you just kind of you push him in one direction and he will he will go and uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, man. I know you'll get this, but when I open up the wave files of my track and his track mm. it's like a little bit of me a lot of ian a little bit of me so it's uh <laughs> so i i i he, you know he keeps trying to be like you got to be you know he's like let's be funny and blah, blah blah and i'm like dude i just want to be your straight man and just set you up and just let you know give the assist i'll be the the assist master with uh with ian wadley well not not surprisingly i i've been pleased with the show very much uh uh but you know knowing the, the two yeah uh, yeah uh it's it's pretty natural to see the two of you kind of roll there so yeah definitely check that shit out man um well anyway thanks again josh of course uh check out l7 uh, give them a give them a, a couple spins on spotify so they get uh i don't know a quarter of a penny um but uh josh time to probably roll here bricks are heavy do you want to get out of here you know what man whatever okay never mind
Are we really? Is this really on the show? <laughs> uh, it might be. We'll see how it goes. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.